welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Lunch already? Yeah. Why? What time is it? It's like 10.30. See, I knew this was going to happen. This happens every time I get up so early. You see, Davey, I was up at 3 a.m. praying, and now I have no idea what time it is. Man, that's, uh, that's really embarrassing. <sighs> Davey, you all right, man? See, I've been signing so many checks to put in the offering. I think I've developed carpal tunnel syndrome. And, and, you know, I was afraid of that. Writing so many checks, I was afraid of that. I was afraid of that. It's weird. Yeah, that, that, that's weird. Hey, uh, Davey, you want some of my food, man? No, 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 no. I'm fasting for like, for like a week. I'm fasting. Yeah, you know, I've been fasting now for like two weeks. Two weeks I've been fasting. Oh, I've been fasting and praying pretty much nonstop for uh, about a month now. Well, yeah, me too. You know, I've been uh, I've been praying and, and and fasting probably for about a whole a whole year now. Yeah, whole year. See, I've got this voice thing going on. Like I'm totally losing my voice because see, I, I've been singing worship music all the time, in my car, when I'm at home, when I'm at work. I can totally understand that because I've been singing worship, well, praise and worship music. Um, you know, I've been, I've been praying and I've been fasting nonstop for about, yeah, 10 years now. Yeah, I've been fasting for about 10 years now. You'd think after 10 years with no food, you'd, you'd have lost some weight. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yes, come on. Let's welcome all the campuses that are watching. Come on, Apple Valley, Savage, Minatrista, Faribault. It's good. One church, multiple locations. We are studying Philippians chapter 2, and some of you may be wondering, how does that video apply? 
We're talking about pride, all right? We're going to talk about having a humble heart, the mind of Christ, killing the pride and having humility. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to look at verses 5 through 8, uh, but we're going to look at a little bit more than that. I can't, I can't just limit it to three verses, and I could talk on this for days, but we have just today. And uh, anyways, I'm going to talk about killing pride and humility, and how does that apply to Philippians chapter 2? Let me start with that. Here's what was happening. Remember, this letter is written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi, all right? And uh, they're wondering, they're under attack, and they're wondering how things are going. And Paul's saying thank you for a gift that they sent, and he's writing things to help them for the spiritual attack that they're under and the things that are attacking the church. And one of the things that is happening is there's a, there's a spirit of, of disunity that is coming. There's not this unity that is there. And they're starting to attack each other. And pride is the way that uh, the devil is using to attack the church. And so, uh, and how many know that if you're unified and you're a unified church, you can do great things? You can do great things. I mean, when you're not having church splits and there's unity and you're unified, great things can happen. So one of the attacks of the enemy is to try to cause any way that he can to, to get the church to, to have fights, to turn on each other. And in this case, uh, the church at Philippi was turning on each other and they were starting to get full of pride. And the enemy was using pride to attack. And uh, it almost seems weird, doesn't it, that, that churches would have pride. I mean, you'd think that people that would follow Jesus, that would be his followers, that we wouldn't have pride, that we'd be able to be humble, we'd be able to realize it's all about Jesus. Um, how many of you know it makes sense if there's pride in the workplace, right? It makes sense if there's pride in your neighborhood keeping up with the Joneses. It makes sense if there's pride at school, who made the cheerleading squad and who didn't and who was on the team and who wasn't. That all makes sense that there's pride there and we have to kill our pride, but the Apostle Paul is, is recognizing that pride is an attack weapon that the enemy is using against the church. And I want to tell you this, that we really have to pay attention at River Valley Church, and here's why. This will be a way that we will be attacked as a church because a lively, fast-growing church that's making a difference is real susceptible to pride. Not just that we're bragging about things that we're doing. Here's what I mean. Um, in a church that's really stable, you know, maybe, maybe it's not dead. It's not dead spiritually, but it's stable. It hasn't grown a lot. There's not a lot of new activity going on. How many know that people kind of get their place in the church and they kind of hold that spot forever? How many know what I'm talking about, right? And like for 37 years, she's been the women's director, deal with it. That's the way it's going to be, right? And then he's the head usher and it doesn't matter. And then you even have your spots that you sit in and, you know, you kind of like, you got the jockeying and who's got the back row, not the front row, heaven forbid. And, you know, every Everybody's got their spot, and it's kind of a, you know, you're, you're settled. But in a lively church where it's growing, the attack of pride can come in there. It's an attack that the enemy can use. And so as a growing church, we've got to realize this. Here's why. You're serving faithfully. You're serving faithfully in kids' ministry, and all of a sudden we're opening a new campus in Edina or something like that. And all of a sudden you're thinking, for sure they've noticed my faithfulness. For sure they've noticed me. And all of a sudden we say, hey, this is the new kids director for the Edina campus. And all of a sudden you go, I can't believe it. After all the effort that I have put in, did they not notice what I have been doing? Did they not notice? Or, or maybe you're thinking, you know, why am I not a life group coach? I mean, after all, I have faithfully led a life group for years. And I, do they not know I'm a project manager at work? 
And I, I mean, they, they promote this other person. I don't even know if they're talented or anything. And why am I not a coach? Do they, do they know the pipes I have? I can sing. I can sing like nobody's business. And I'm not in front. You see what I'm saying? And so in a world, in a church where it's growing fast, this is one of the tools that the devil will use to attack the church because he'll use pride and he'll get people trying to do things like Paul addresses here. You're doing it from selfish ambition and all these other things instead of doing it for the glory of God. So we've got to be alert. We're a growing church, multi-site, more campuses, all these things. We've got to learn to kill our pride. Now, in, in chapter 2, I'm going to get to verse 5, but I can't skip over really what 1 to 4 is talking about. Let me just read verses 3 and 4. Um, Apostle Paul is saying that you're being attacked. Listen, in verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And he's telling them, guys, we, we, I, I value unity. We've got to protect the unity, guys. You've got to value. Now, you've got to understand, again, in Philippi, this is the culture. Remember, it's a Greek city where the Apostle Paul started the church. The Greeks hated humility. So their culture is pride, pride, pride. Get the title, get the position, own the spot. And so that has crept into the church. Remember, we said, you know, it makes sense it's in the world, but it's crept into the church, especially in the Greek culture. They hated humility. And so the Apostle Paul's saying, I want you to go countercultural. Countercultural. The, the Greek culture you're living in says, go for it, get the title, own it, let do it, don't worry about the motive, get the spot. And he's saying, go countercultural. If we're going to do this, we can't do it with selfish ambition and vain conceit. We can't think about the prestige. You can't go after the title. You need to own a towel if you're going to serve the Lord. He said, don't concentrate on yourself. Think about others. And if we're going to do this, we're going to have to realize we're in the body here. We're building up the church, and unity is important. And i got to think about the others, not myself. So it's a strong word that the Apostle Paul, he's like pleading with them, live in harmony. The, the killer of harmony is pride. And we've got to kill the pride in our life and keep the harmony. Now, in, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, I don't have time today to go into all the depth of this passage. I'm just telling you, we could camp here for days. We really could. But in, it, it's one of the most amazing passages that the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus Christ. It's amazing what he's writing here. And in the time that I have, I'll do my best to just give you a glimpse at it. But if you want to study something, 5 through 8 has been one of the most amazing passages ever written about Jesus, okay? Now, this is what he says. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, and get what he's doing it for, to the glory of God the Father. Amazing, amazing passage here. And I know I read a little extra, but I, it's so good. It's so good. Verse 5. He, remember, he's saying... I talked to you, I'm trying to have this unity. So he said, in your relationships with each other, 
This is something I absolutely love about the Apostle Paul. I love that he's an amazing theologian, but every time he gives something amazing about God, he says, apply it to your life. I love that. I love that he's so smart and so brilliant. And then when he writes something so profound, he also, now no, apply this to your relationship. I love that he just says, put it into real life. And if you're studying the word of God, you gotta get it into real life. So he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he's saying, all right, this is the mindset about Jesus. He was selfless. He sacrificed. He served. That's his mindset. You have to have that mindset in your relationship with other people if we're going to have unity in the church and we're going to move this baby forward. He's saying, so get that mind in you. Then in verse 6, he says, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now let me read verse 7 so I can combine this. He says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now the apostle Paul opens up a huge theological thing here. He says, Jesus is God. And when he says in the nature, it means he's God. He's not kind of like God. He's not a shadow of God. He is God. And he says Jesus had this amazing place. He is God. He's being worshipped by the angels, okay? He is leaving that. He's, he's all God, and he comes to earth, and then he says he takes on the nature of a servant. And it doesn't mean he was kind of like a servant, what this means is he was a servant and he was man. And it's one of the greatest mysteries in all of theology that we've got Jesus being fully God and fully man. There's a couple $3 words here, all right? You can look them up later. Incarnation is one of them, all right? And the other one is hypostatic union, all right? Hypostatic union means that God, that Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time. And we can't explain it. It's one of those things you just got to step back and go, wow. Okay, it's not like you're thinking, well, Pastor Rob, if you were smarter, you could explain that to us. But no, no, I can't. You, you, nobody, you just can't explain it. We've come up with this hypostatic union. He's fully God, fully man. We don't fully understand exactly how he did it, but we know that the Apostle Paul was telling us he's God, he was man, and he emptied himself of the privileges over here, and he took on the, the things that we have, the things that we have to deal with, and he paid the price for us. And he's saying it's an amazing thing. And he said, and in being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And he's saying the highest of the highest became the lowest of the lowest because we know that dying on the cross was the most shameful thing. So he's saying the highest of the highest, worshiped by the angels, amazing. He's God. Laid it all aside, came down here to be man and was punished in the worst possible way saying that's the type of mindset you need to have you need to lay it down and you say well I'm, I'm CEO I'm this I'm president I'm important do you know how much I make do you know who how many people work for me do you know this do you know that all of that is meaningless if God could lay it down and go down to the cross anything we have can be laid down it all can be laid down now if we're going to advance 
the church, we're gonna have to kill pride. And so for the remainder of this message, I just wanna talk about killing pride because that, remember, that's what Paul's trying to do and he gives this huge theology and, and, and I just feel terrible today that I couldn't even jump into five, six, seven, eight to the depth that is there. And, and really, if you really look at somebody and say, I like a deeper thing, there you go. Dig into that on your own and dig in, all right? But killing pride, because that's really what he's trying to say. Kill the pride, kill the pride, kill the pride. We gotta protect the unity. Let's have humility, okay? So let's look at the sin of pride because the sin of pride really encompasses so many of the problems that we have in this world. You know, you say, well, I have this issue. Well, really, if you go to the base of that issue, it's probably pride. You say, well, I have this one. Well, if we go to the base of that, it's probably pride. Pride is responsible for so many of the sins and so many of the struggles and so many of the things that happen in the church and in the world as well, but in the church, that's who we're dealing with today. All right, so here's some things to help you to understand uh, the sin of pride in other areas rather than just like, aren't I great? Which we'd all know that's pride, but there's other areas. And I, I was able to get some of this from the book, Humility, True Greatness, a great book. Again, if you're looking for more resources on this, it'd be a great book. But when we are, are self-sufficient and we start thinking that we have made ourselves great, that's pride. That's pretty obvious, right? And I know there are people, I actually had a businessman once say to me, he said, why should I tithe? He goes, after all, I'm the one that made it. I said, well, God gave you the ability to breathe. He's like, yeah, whatever. I said, God lets your heart beat. Yeah, I know. But I mean, seriously, I, I, I work hard. I'm the one that goes there. And I, he's like, I'm a self-made man. And I was like, Lord, don't take away his air right now. You know what I mean? You know, that's what I was thinking. Like, you are really not that self-made. You are not that self-sufficient. But when we start thinking we are a self-made man, it's all about me. I did it. Aren't I great? And, and I'm the one Man, we are in trouble. God gives us our very breath to breathe, and, and, and you worked hard with God, but you did this much, and he did that much, okay? He does more than you. Here, here's another sin of pride. You may not realize this, but when you're anxious about the things in your life, sin of pride. You're like, oh, no, I mean, I don't know about tomorrow. I can't. I don't have peace in my life. I don't know. What about that? What about this? What about that? You think you're in control. You're not in control, and when you're anxious and you're all worried about you, and, and oh no, what am I gonna do? What, what me, huh? you know, I mean, that's pride. I know it doesn't seem like pride, but it really is, because you don't admit that he's got it under control. He cares for the birds and the lilies, and their birds are dying all the time. How many know birds are dumb? They die all the time, right? They fly into windows, you know. He's like, I care for them. I, I got it, I got you covered, okay? Don't worry, okay? When we have the fear of man, that's pride. It is pride when you don't stand up for God at work. They're ripping on the things of God and you know they're wrong, but you don't want to say anything because you don't want to get kicked out of the group. Why? Because you're prideful. You want your privilege more than God's name to look good. It's pride. It really is. When we compare ourselves with others, which is easy, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, we're like, oh, they have that, let's go buy a new one. We can't afford it, doesn't matter, they got one. You know, let's do it, right? And we compare with others, it's wrong. And it's wrong when you feel superior about your car, your house, your, you know, your degree, what school you went to, what neighborhood you live in, you know. When you feel superior about your looks, your skill, your muscles, whatever the case may be, people get all proud, you know, about it. It's wrong. That's pride. It's pride when we're self-critical. Now, this might surprise you, but perfectionism 
is really based in pride. Now, I can tell you this, I I don't suffer with perfectionism. I'm too expedient. I like to get to the end. I like to get to the next project. So I'm like, if we're at 80%, that's good enough. Let's go to the next thing. That's 90%, that's good. Let's go. Let's go to the next thing. Let's go on to the next one. But there are other people who are like, ah, ah, I don't have everything perfect. You know, that's pride because you're there. Now, trust me, I got other pride issues, all right? But that one's not one of them, all right? But they're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't. I just, it's not perfect. Ah," Because they feel like it'll reflect poorly on them and it's all about them. Sometimes we just got to move on with 90%. Some people are like, I can't even amen that one. I can't even. But really, perfectionism can be pride and it has that basis there. When we're deceptive about self and we don't share that we have anything wrong. People say, can I share, you know, prayer requests? You know, and this is what I'm struggling with. Are you struggling with anything? Nope, all good. <laughs> Just all good. They're like, okay, I know what you're struggling with, pride. You know, <laughs> so. When we want to talk about ourselves all the time, that's pride. I mean, have you ever been out with somebody and they talk, 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 and you're at the end of the night, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm doing good too. Okay, bye. You know, I mean, all they do is talk, you know. When we're not excited about other people's success, that's pride, really. We don't see people as brothers and sisters in Christ, but we see them as competitors. It's wrong. It's wrong. When we think too highly of ourselves, when we just consider like when there's a survey and you're thinking, well, I'm way above average. Yeah. That, trust me, that's like a Minnesota sin. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Garrison Keeler, where everybody's above average. You know what I'm talking about? You know, that is like a Minnesota sin. We're like, you know, well, you know, but our education is great, and we're all above average, and, you know, our roads are above average, and our, you know, and we got this above average thing going on here, you know? That's pride. When we sit there and we're jealous or envious of others' abilities, possessions, we have a hard time listening to other people. Oh, we listen to important people, not unimportant people. Trust me, God gives me this opportunity every time in the lobby after service. I was talking to a businessman right after the, uh, a different service. And then a young boy came up, you know, and in that moment, I've got a business guy that I've talked to, and I'm, you know, talking about life and business, and he's an important guy. He owns a company and everything. And this young guy comes up. It was one of those moments. God's like, who are you going to talk to right now? This guy wants your attention too. And I turned, how you doing, buddy? How you doing, buddy? I'm going to listen to the person that has no power and the person that has power. If we only listen to people with power, that's pride. It's pride. If we interrupt people, they're talking, we're like, yeah, yeah, mine's better. Okay, you know, how many know that if you interrupt all the time, you probably have a pride issue? Okay, here's one that fits for the church. You don't get much out of teaching, but instead you sit here and evaluate the preacher. (laughs) We bring in a guest speaker, and you're like, well, let's check this person out compared to John Bevere. And how does John Bevere stack up to this person and that? And Priscilla was right. Anyway, we score them. Stop scoring. Stop scoring and just say, God, what do you have for me? Stop scoring this sermon and say, God, what do you have for me? Which is another thing. When we listen and we say, boy, I wish they were here. That's pride. Uh, Because this would be so good for the other people. (laughs) The people that own cabins. They should hear this. Not us. That's really pride. <laughs> really is. When we're not open to input, when people want to tell us things, we're like, eh, or easily angered or offended, that's pride. It really is. Because we think we have our rights. 
We have our rights. Why did you do that? I, I had a moment today. I was waiting for gas, you know, at a, a gas station. It was like 2.41 a gallon, or 3.41. 2.41 would be great. It was, it was 3.41, which is still good. And uh, I'm waiting there, you know, because it's all full, and so I'm waiting, you know, and all of a sudden this person pulls up right there, and I'm like, hey! So I laid on the horn in Christian love <laughs> and did one of these, what are you thinking? Jesus is Lord. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, Got totally convicted, like, sorry about that, you know, and then I drove around the other side of the gas pump. Anyways, you know, but I was like, this is my spot. I was there first. And I thought, boy, if you're easily angered, you have a pride problem. (laughs) If you're independent and uncommitted, you say, you know what, I I don't need those things. I have a self-made plan for my spirituality. You know, life groups, those are for other people, not for me, because I don't need those. Because I, after all, you know, I've been serving the Lord for so many years, I don't need them. Well, why don't you teach one? Well, because I don't need to teach or lead. That's pride. I don't need discover. I don't need discover. After all, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I don't need to go to discover and find out my gifts and talents and how I could serve in the church. You should just plug me in. No, that's pride. And when you have a self-made independent plan, that is pride. And and let me just hit with that. When you're unsubmissive to authority, that's pride. You think you call the shots, not the authority. And I'm going to tell you this. I struggle with the same things you do, okay? So I'm going to be very transparent for you, all right? One of the things that I've agreed to do as a minister in the assemblies is I tithe to the Minnesota district. And there's a group of pastors that take care of all the ministers there. It's almost as if they're our church. And Pastor St. John, his last name is St. John, he is really my pastor. He's my spiritual authority, okay? And I'm a man under authority. Now, I lead this church, but I am a man under authority there. And one of the things they've asked me to do is to send my tithe there. Well, I can tell you at a time in my life, the church needed the tithe really bad. We really did. And I thought, well, surely I could divide half to the district and half to the church because the church really needs it. And then I thought, wait a minute, am I under authority or not? Have I agreed to do this? Have I agreed to be under this authority or not? Do I get to make up my own rules for me or do I obey the authority? And so I said, it all goes there. The whole tithe goes there. It all goes there. And I gladly came under that authority. There are times that I have to get under authority. Um, Again, Pastor St. John called me and said, I really, really want you to speak Monday night at this event in Alexandria to these pastors. And now I've just preached four times, and I knew Monday, and I was flying out Tuesday morning, and I knew that it was, I mean, I was going to do like nine hours to speak for an hour, and I was exhausted, and I said, is there any other way we could do this? He goes, I really, 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 I really feel God wants you there. And I said, I'm a man under authority, and if you're my spiritual authority, I'm going there. And I got one of the staff to drive with me so I didn't fall asleep at the wheel. They drove home afterwards, and we went up there, and I said, even though I had other plans because I'm under authority, I'm going to do this because you're one of the only authorities in my life that I have to listen to. And if I don't listen to you, who am I listening to? So I'm killing the pride doing that. I'm just telling you, these are good examples. Trust me, there's bad examples. You don't want to hear them. When we're critical of others, when we talk negative about other people, that's pride. And lastly, if you think you're humble, that's pride. 
Okay, but I can't leave you there. I can't leave you there. So let me give you a quick, 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 quick list of, of ways to help out and keep the unity in our church and protect, protect this. I'll put it on my blog and put it there. It'll be on the website or something. But in order to kill pride in our lives, let's always look at the cross. If that doesn't kill your pride, what will? I mean, look at the cross. I mean, look at how awesome Jesus Christ is and what he did there. That should kill our pride. And every day we should wake up and kill our dependence or or recognize our dependence and say, God, it's you. It's not me, it's you. You give me the ability every day. Uh, Look around your house, see what you have, whatever. God, it came from you. Every blessing I have comes from you. And acknowledge that every morning. Practice the spiritual disciplines. When you say, I don't need prayer, I don't need devotions, I don't need to do those things. I don't need to be a part of the things that the church talks about. That just is pride. It's there for a reason. Join the team. Run it. Exercise. Imagine what we think of an athlete that said, I'm not going to do the off-season workout. I'm not going to do the push-ups, the sit-ups. I have my own plan. I don't need that stuff. You'd say, that's a terrible athlete. Well, spiritually, that's a terrible spiritual walk if you don't do those things. You think you're better than the one who has created us and told us to do these things. Cast your cares on him. That's something we can do. We can say, God, I'm not going to be worried about it. I'm going to cast it on you. And at the end of the day, I think we should do this. We should transfer the glory to God. At the end of the day, anything that was good, anything that was said amazing about us, be sure to say, God, it's all about you. You get the glory. You get the honor. And I especially want to say this to those that are CEOs, bosses, managers, presidents, principals. If you have people that report to you or that call you a title, you need to transfer the glory to God at the end of the day. Pride will be an issue and you have to transfer the glory to him. And then for special emphasis, let me tell you something. Study the attributes of God. Study his holiness. Study his omniscience. Study the power of God. Study his attributes. And when you study that, God will get bigger and you'll get smaller. And if that doesn't do it for you, study grace, study sin. See how amazing grace is. See how terrible sin is and realize that God is everything and you're nothing. And if none of this works, if you really want to kill pride, take up golf as a hobby. Because that baby will kill the pride. Oh, man. One more thing, though. Seriously, serve. If you are not serving, that's probably pride. It is. I'm just telling you. If you're not serving, you say, well, I have my time, my schedule, my this, my that. It's probably pride because everything on your calendar has more priority than the things of God. You have to find a place to serve, and that will help kill the pride. Paul told the Philippians that they should be humble like Jesus for the greatness of God, that it would make God look good. We need humility in our life. Let's kill the pride and just embrace humility. And then as a church, let's make God look good.